Welcome to the Commit Podcast. My name is Enda McNulty from McNulty Performance. I'm really excited to speak about peak performance, giving you an understanding of peak performance in business, in sport, in aviation, or performance arts. This week, we're really privileged and thankful to have Michael Kearney, the former manager of the Irish rugby team, a guy who spent five years alongside initially Declan Kidney and then, of course, Joe Schmidt, and he's had incredible success during that time as manager. Mick's unique in that he's been successful not only on the rugby pitch, but he's been very successful in business. He set up two really unique businesses in terms of home and stead, senior care, and snap printing. Michael, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Enda. Delighted to be here. I might start off with a story, Mick. Your story of going from being a cattle dealer to being the manager of the Irish rugby team. That's a pretty interesting story. I know it's a story or a journey that took many winding roads. Can you tell us a little bit of that story, please? Yeah, it's a, it's a long story, Enda, which I, I'll try and synopsize in, in as short a period of time as, as possible. Um, I was born into a farming and cattle dealing family out in Dunboyne in County Mead. I uh, went to school in Castlenock College and spent six glorious years there where I did very little uh, work on the books, but uh, played a lot of sport, played pretty well every sport under the book. Uh, rugby, soccer, tennis, basketball, uh, athletics. So a bit of a sports fanatic, really, from a very young age. Um, came out of Castlenock College, went to agricultural college for a year. And for the following five years, I worked with my dad in the cattle business. So driving around the country, going to cattle marts in uh, all parts of the country, west of Ireland, south of Ireland, east of Ireland. Used to run up probably 50, 60,000 miles a year. Uh, <clears throat> very formative, I suppose, experience really. And, and uh, you'd, you'd probably call it maybe the university of life, because I think when you're when you're dealing in cattle and dealing with with uh, farmers and fellow cattle dealers, you learn uh, you learn a lot of, uh, I think, life lessons as you go along. Uh, but then I got married then in 1981. And um, I think like a lot, lot of fathers, maybe an eldest sons, myself and my dad had a bit of a disagreement. And we ended up emigrating to Perth in Western Australia. So we landed in Perth uh, in January 1982, just in time for our first wedding anniversary. Uh, so my wife, instead of uh, um, a farmer in Wellington Booth, she had uh, this young whippersnapper out in Perth who really didn't know what he was going to do uh, career-wise. Luckily enough, Eugenie was a nurse. She got a job uh, straight away in the Royal Perth Hospital. And then I was very lucky again to meet um, a, a great man and a great mentor to me, uh, Paddy Thompson, who was originally from Mount Melick in County Leash. Um, he was a member of the Palestinian police force. And then he emigrated to Perth in Western Australia and became CEO of a company called Snap Printing. Paddy offered me a job. So I started at the bottom rung of the ladder, um, an apprentice printer. Uh, worked my way up to kind of centre manager level uh, fairly quickly within about 18 months and then Paddy offered me the master franchise for Ireland which I suppose was a great uh, fill up to me to my confidence for Paddy to have that faith in me but funny enough Paddy came home to look at the market himself and he warned me against uh, coming home because Ireland in 1984 uh, very high interest rates very high unemployment and the country was on its knees maybe even more so than it was uh, when the crash happened in 2008. Uh, myself and Eugenie then came home for a family wedding in March 1984. And we had a look and we decided that we were actually going to go back and set up uh, the first SNAP franchise in Queensland. And uh, Eugenie went to tell her dad. She's the eldest of 12 children. 
to tell the dad, her dad, the bad news that we were actually going back to Australia, that we weren't going to stay at home. And he started to cry. So on that basis, we made the decision to actually stay. <laughs> so uh, when you talk about business planning and due diligence and decisions made purely from a business perspective, that certainly wasn't one of those. And uh, maybe maybe it's a lesson, maybe that some decisions are, are based on emotions and sometimes they can be the best decisions uh, rather than ones that are made very much on a, on a business uh, on a business level. So uh, we set up in, in 1984. Snap went on to become uh, Ireland's leading print and design group. Um, currently at 16 centres uh, around the country and uh, remains a successful business. Um, obviously got involved in rugby. Uh, I did a bit of coaching out in Australia. I actually hurt my knee playing for Lansdowne before I left and had an operation and never played again. Um, and uh, when I came back then I rejoined Lansdowne, did a bit of coaching and uh, became president of Lansdowne in 1999-2000. And then I became chairman. So I stayed very much involved in rugby, I suppose, uh, which will lead us on to how I got involved maybe with the Irish rugby team eventually. But then in 2005, uh, myself and my business partner, Ed Murphy, um, Ed became my business partner in Snap back in 1992 and uh, without a doubt was, was the best uh, business, de business decision I ever made was to bring Ed on board as a business partner. Uh, we're celebrating 25 years of, of, of a great partnership this year. Uh, but in, in 2005, we came across another franchise called Home and Stead Senior Care. And uh, we went to Omaha, Nebraska within a week of finding out about it. We signed up on St. Patrick's Day 2005. And today we have 24 uh, offices around the country and we look after about 4,000 people, older people in their own homes. Uh, and we employ about three and a half thousand caregivers looking after those 4,000 people, uh, providing, uh, I suppose, services uh, such as meal preparation, getting them out of bed, uh, some light housekeeping, transportation and effectively helping uh, older people remain independent uh, and, and living longer in their own homes than would otherwise be possible. Uh, my brother John was becoming president of Lansdowne in about 2008 and I was chairman at the time and I said there wasn't room for two carnies in Lansdowne so I decided I would step aside and I got a call from Mick Dawson very quickly after that to ask me would I manage the Leinster under 20 and 18s. So I did that for uh, for two years. So I did two World Cups with the under 20s in, in Argentina and Italy. And uh, then I was very lucky. Um, first of all, Philip Orr, who was manager of the under 20, the, the Irish under 20 team, he stepped down and I was asked would I take on that role, which I did and really enjoyed it. And then um, after the 2011 World Cup, Paul McNaughton stepped down and I succeeded Paul in early 2012 and had five uh, fantastic years, uh, not all uh, not all success. Uh, there, were, there are ups and downs in sport, as we all know, uh, but enjoyed some fantastic days, met some wonderful people, both players and management. And um, I, I probably would put it down as the, the happiest time of my life um, and certainly learned an awful lot, I think, of lessons. Um, probably some of the, the business lessons that I was able to bring into into the team, um, but I think even more so lessons that I actually uh, learned from the likes of, of, of Declan and Joe and and other people that I was able to 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 maybe uh, bring back to the business. Can you talk us through some of those lessons, Mick, that you gained from Joe or from Declan? I think I think rugby coaches, um, and in particular, I think Joe is is quite an extraordinary person in that. 
Uh, first of all, he works harder than anybody else in the group. And I, I do think that hard work is a very underestimated trait to have. I think if you work really hard at something, you can be very successful no matter what the business is. Uh, that was one thing that I learned. Um, an extraordinary attention to detail was something uh, I know that Joe is, is very well known for that. But to actually experience that firsthand over over the last uh, three years uh, was quite extraordinary, to be can honest with you. Give us an you. example of that detail, Mick, that just maybe our listeners can relate to. Uh, detail, for instance, uh, I'd say even lo if, you know, looking at the, at the opposition, um, and Joe would want, um, you know, a, a, a video clip of, and this would be a three-minute video clip of every player on the opposition, and not only the starting 15, but he'd want the eight players that would be on the bench as well. He would want the uh, the forwards to look at the backs, and he'd want the backs to look at the forwards. He'd want the subs to look at the subs. So the actual uh, detail that goes into the preparation is quite extraordinary. Um, the stats the players get back, um, it's not just what they do playing for Ireland, it's what they do playing for their province. So every every stat, uh, such as, for instance, their tackle count, would be up there uh, to, to, to be examined and looked at. So uh, there's there's never a doubt about the feedback. And, and I suppose feedback is, is the one, one of the key things that I would have learned, that um, giving players uh, really honest, uh, detailed, uh, fact-based feedback, uh, I think has been hugely important to the success of the team because it's actually helped to make players better. Um, I do think that in business, we, we do tend to sometimes shy away from those hard face-to-face uh, -face meetings when you don't maybe correct poor behaviour as quickly as you should. I think in rugby, you can't afford to let that behaviour exist. Uh, so the minute it happens, it has to be corrected. And, and again, uh, Joe and his coaches, when they're out on the training paddock, they would actually expect the detail and the organisation and the commitment to training to be equally as good as it would be on Saturday because uh, they would say that you can't switch on and off between training and actually playing. So that level of, of um, detail uh, has to be, uh, permeates right throughout the, 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 the team, I think both, both on and off the pitch. So I say feedback, attention to detail, uh, hard work, um, and I think everybody knowing the role as well. So players, as, as I said, are, are never in any doubt as to what's expected of them. Um, and I think the level of coaching, like Joe is obviously a teacher by, by profession, and he really does teach players to be better. Um, he, 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 he really, uh, I think, manages the players well. I think people generally like to have um, honest feedback about their performance. And... Um, players actually get that and I think they, they, they're prepared to put up I suppose with the uh, maybe a little bit of hurt uh, when they get the feedback because they're left out of the team but they will never be left out of the team without actually uh, knowing the reason why they're left out. In terms of all the things you've experienced in Ireland Rugby Mick, how can some of those, be, those things be applied in business? So how would you apply the key lessons you've learned about in Ireland rugby or maybe under some of the amazing coach you've worked under into some of the business you're currently involved with or do you try to do that? I think I, I think I'd probably become better at giving feedback um, and I think you can do it in a very honest and open way and I think once you explain to people that you know the feedback it's not it's not personal it's it's really performance based and it's it's really uh, it's really there to help you improve your performance so that's certainly uh, I think one of the key things that I would have learned 
Um, as I said earlier, I think people do shy away from that kind of criticism. Uh, but constructive criticism is really important because I don't think uh, we can improve uh, without getting feedback. And I, I, I do think people really uh, are very happy to get honest, honest feedback. One memory I have, Mick, is the delight in your face after Ireland beat the All Blacks in Chicago in that famous almost day in Irish sporting history. Can you talk us through, please, the level of preparation before that peak performance? From your memory, what were the really standout items in terms of the preparation of the team? Uh, I think, number one, we got together. I think we did a very good tour to South Africa. Um, even though we were missing some key players, we, we won the first test in, in Cape Town. Uh, we should have won the second test in, in, in Joburg. Uh, we lost it narrowly. I think we lost the second and third test by maybe six points and five points. So both very close run things. So there was, a, there was a good, I think, feel coming back into camp. We had a couple of days together in August. Uh, then the players went back to their provinces. So we didn't really see the players again until, um, you know, a week before we departed. The, the players that played against uh, New Zealand didn't play for their provinces uh, the week before we departed. So we got them together for a couple of days. There was a feeling, I think, that, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was year kind of three under Joe and a lot, the players knew exactly what was expected of them. They'd been together, even though they hadn't, we hadn't had a lot of training sessions. I think players were, were thinking about the All Blacks for a long time before we played them in Chicago. Um, I think we were fed up of losing to them, to be honest with you. We'd lost very narrowly, narrowly in 2013, um, a match that, that without a doubt we should have won. But I, I, I do think that we learned from that particular day. So we, ha we hadn't met them in the intervening period until we got to Chicago. Uh, so there was a, certainly uh, we got a lot of confidence from the from the, the the game in 2013. A lot of the players were the same. A lot of the New Zealand players were still there. Um, the leadership group, I think, really stepped up to the plate that week. Um, I think there was a lot of uh, the stars were aligned. I think in Chicago uh, to a large extent. The the weather was wonderful. We stayed in a great hotel. The Cubs won the World Series for the first time in 108 years. Uh, Connacht had won the, the, the Pro 12 for the first time in, in, in their history. Uh, there was a lot of kind of good things that happened, I think, um, in the previous kind of number of months. And the players didn't lack confidence. Um, they went in and, and the game plan that was put together by the coaches was, was, I think, well instilled into the players and well in advance. It wasn't just a week or two before. I think players were genuinely thinking about it. I think they were watching the All Blacks, they were watching the Rugby Championship. And things really came together on the day. Uh, one of my one of my memories was that I remember back in, in 2013, we were in the in the changing room at halftime, and Johnny Sexton said, uh, the one thing he said that I remember, he said, listen, guys, you know, we were 22-3 or 22-6 up, and Johnny said, guys, we're going to have to score in the second half. We actually failed to score in the second half in 2013. And then wind the clock forward to 20, 2016 and half time. And Johnny said exactly the same thing. The score was very similar. And Johnny said, lads, remember the last day, we have to score in the second half. And we came out and we scored a try very, very quickly. And then um, at the end of the game, when we were under real pressure, I, I think Ireland got what was, was probably the greatest try that Ireland have ever scored uh, under pressure. Joey Carby was on the pitch, passed it out to Jared Payne, gave it to Zebo. Uh, Zebo kicked a great ball down down the down the, the touchline. Uh, Connor Murray nailed um, Julian Sabea into a touching goal. Five yards scrum, well controlled. Jamie Picton gave it to Robbie Henshaw, and that was game over. 
Uh, I don't think that would have happened in 2013. So I think the, the mental strength, I think, that we built up over the period of time, um, I think the detail that Joe had instilled into the team and that just ability to close out a game. You know, we did it the same against France in the in the first Six Nations that we won in 2014 as well, when we were under the pump in the last five or six minutes and we held out. So um, learning from learning from mistakes and learning from experience, I think, is hugely important um, in sport and in business. And digress and make away from talking about Ireland and now going back into business again. And you mentioned mental strength. How important, in your opinion, is mental strength in business? I think kind of mental strength is very important um, in life. I, I, I think in all aspects of life, I think, you know, I think dealing with adversity, I think mental strength is hugely important. I think dealing with stress, mental strength is hugely important. Um, I think one of the one of the key uh, kind of lessons I think that I've learned over time in both business and in sport, that dealing with your stresses and strains and dealing with them quickly is hugely important. I think some people carry baggage with them um, and they, they don't let go of the baggage. Um, or they don't deal with it. They 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 try to ignore it, and it's, it'll it'll keep tapping away at them. Whereas um, I would have found over the years that that if you deal with your stresses and and confront your issues very quickly, I think that's a huge um, it's a huge part of success. I think, and and I think uh, you build up that mental strength. Uh, I think you've said to me often enough, Enda, that that it's a it's it's a muscle, uh, and I really believe it's a muscle that needs to be trained and practiced and whatever. And confronting those difficult issues is the one thing that can really help you, I think, um, improve your mental strength. Moving into the new year, Mick, a lot of business owners, a lot of business performers are thinking about how can they upgrade their performance? How can they improve? How can they develop? What would your top three or four almost business lessons be for them to change their performance or to raise the bar in their performance? I think talk to your people uh, more often, I think it's it's hugely important. Um, Maybe a little uh, interesting vignette there, Mick, might be myself and yourself in Pittsburgh meeting Dan Rooney, uh, the famous owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, yes, uh, remember that trip well, Enda. Uh, myself, yourself, and Philip Morrow, Morrow who was the SNC coach with the Lions and is now with Saracens. Um, we went out there, and uh, one, one, one thing that absolutely was extraordinary. When we ask anybody in Pittsburgh, not just in the Steelers, but anybody in Pittsburgh about the, about the Steelers and why were they successful, and it always came back to the Rooneys. <laughs> um, and I, I remember Dan Rooney, he managed by walking around. Uh, we went and we, we spent three or four days at their training complex, and every day Dan Rooney would go out on the pitch and he would walk around the pitch, and he had the same time for the guy who was a security on the front door as he was for their star player, uh, and uh, that was a lesson I suppose I would have learned that, that I would have been able to bring back into, into, into business as well. So talking to people and communicating with people and giving them the feedback that we talked about earlier is, is one big, big takeaway. Um, I think having fun is really important. I think, I think kind of life can be tough enough. So I think it's important that you, 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 you learn to relax a little bit, even during the working day, the working week. So take time out. Um, I know you're a great believer, Enda, in, in, in standing up and walking around and getting a bit of getting your exercise in. Um, I think we've become an, op, an awful lot more conscious of, of, our, of our health. Yeah, um, if, we, if we actually delve into that, we'll make a little bit because I know you're a big advocate 
of exercising physically, even mentally. And even today you were saying you got a really good 30 minute workout in, even though you had a series of back to back meetings. How important in your estimation is the exercise Mick on a consistent basis? Uh, I, I think it's hugely important, Enda. Uh, I think it's something that, that uh, I would find it very hard to, to, to manage a lot of my days without exercise. So it's very much built into to a part of my day. Um, I think if you're physically fit, uh, you're mentally fit. Um, and I think if you're mentally fit, obviously from a, a work point of view, from a family point of view, uh, you go home and you're 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 feeling better about yourself. You're in better humor. Um, what about the people make who say they can't build it in? They're too busy. They're so busy in business or in life that they can't have time for exercise. I think it should be a, an integral part of your day. I, I think they have to build it in. So, I I, I really wouldn't accept it. Uh, you know, like even when I was probably at my busiest, I always made sure to that I would fit in the time to to get to the gym or even even go for a walk. I mean, if you can go for a walk at 10 o'clock at night and, and, and that's kind of very good, I think, for you mentally as well. And if you were to say the biggest lesson for people when they're going through the middle of that adversity, what message would you have for them to allow them to have hope they can perform at that level again? I think I think when you're going through adversity, uh, there's a couple of, of, of things that I would have learned and put into practice. If If you can do something about the adversity, first of all, do it, right? Don't put it on the long finger. So I think if you examine the the problems that, that you have or something that's stressing you out or something you're going through, if you examine it and come up with a solution, and if there's a solution, well, then go and implement the solution as quickly as possible. On the other hand, if you're going through adversity and there's nothing you can do about it, well, then you've got to try and compartmentalize that and don't think about it all the time. It's difficult, but I do think that uh, you, you can work at it. And I do think that in that situation, you've almost got to say to yourself, listen, I know I have a problem, but there's nothing I can do about this. So I've got to move on and I can't let it dominate my life as such and, and get out for a run or get out for a good walk. And if I was to ask you, the players that you've been lucky enough to work alongside, Mike, a lot of those players would have huge respect for you, not only as a manager, but as a mentor, as a friend, and even as a coach who helps them off the pitch. Which of those players in particular has impressed you about their ability to move from the sports pitch onto the business pitch and start to perform there also? I suppose it's it's it's, a, it's difficult to probably single out certain players. I mean, I, I, there was the obvious leaders uh, in, 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 in Ireland, um, in the team, um, and I, I think we've had fantastic captains, uh, you know, Paul O'Connell, he had Rory Best, who's doing a fantastic job. He had Brian O'Driscoll, who was the most relentlessly competitive person I think I've ever come across. Um, Brian on the training park was as competitive as he was on, on, on the pitch in, in, in a game. Um, Jamie Heaslip, who, who again was, you know, probably the most professional in terms of his preparation, was absolutely fantastic. But then you've, you've guys in the background, you have, you know, you have Peter Matney, you have Johnny Sexton, you have guys like Owen Redden, who, who, uh, who was again one of the real leaders on the team? You had Shane Jennings, who was one of the real leaders uh, in Leinster, and you know they've gone on. Uh, Shane actually works with Home Instead, and uh, you know is, is doing a great job for Home Instead. I know on Redden has gone works in Aircraft and has done really well. So I think the guys that showed the the leadership um, and the example, um, they're guys that actually have gone on and, and and have been successful and will go on to be successful. This podcast might be released, Mick, in January. Uh, in terms of the lessons you'd have for people in that early January period or maybe over the Christmas period, 
the number one thing you'd advise them to do during that time, what would it be? I mean, I go back now at the risk of repeat, repeating myself and uh, I think work off the excesses of Christmas, uh, set some goals. Uh, I, I would be a great believer in sitting down every three months and setting setting down some maybe maybe 15, 20 things that I'm going to achieve over the next three or four months. And that's something that, that, that would drive me on because I think when you set a goal, you're effectively making a commitment to yourself. And uh, you can achieve, I think, an awful lot when you actually write them down, even share them with somebody. Michael Kearney, it's been a pleasure. I'd have to thank you for a lot of the mentoring and guidance you've given me uh, in terms of my business life to date. You have been a complete credit to your country and your role as manager of the Irish rugby team. And most importantly, I've been inspired, Mick, in your role as a dad and as a husband and how good you are to your friends and community. Michael Kearney, it's been a pleasure to share this time with you on the Commit podcast. Have a great Christmas with your family. Same to you, Enda. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.